0: greatest communication of all, and that was Jesus Christ. When God wanted you to know who he was, he sent his son so that everyone would know exactly who he is. God with us, Emmanuel. So we are going to be talking about that today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for each person here, Lord God. The desire of our hearts, Lord, is that today everyone here would know you better, would understand your ways more clearly. Lord God, Would would actually fall more in love with you. Lord God, I ask that you would anoint me and grace me to communicate your heart, your way. And I pray for each person here that you would anoint them and grace them to hear your word, your way. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said amen and amen. So in honor of my great husband, oh, sorry. In honor of my great husband, we have a little bit of alliteration. I have to confess that he did it all. I confess that I outsourced this. But as we are here at Christmas, we are talking about the invisible creator, immaculately conceived, Emmanuel child, stayed not in the infant's cradle, nor on the infamous cross, but arose to receive the invincible crown as the infinite Christ. I see. <laughs> yeah, thank you, darling, for that. Um, but we we do we do, despite the the beauty of how those words are put together. We really do want each and every one of you to understand the depths of what happened. Not this day, some other day, because the 25th of, uh, and the 24th of December are not really the day that Jesus is born. You know, you know that. He was, he was born kind of in spring, summertime, which would not have been this time of year. But nonetheless, this is the day we have chosen to celebrate. And, and I trust that as we share around the word today, that the beauty, the glory, and the majesty of what God did through Jesus Christ would become real to you. Yeah. So we're going to start with a passage of Scripture that I think, for me, every time I read it, I'm I'm struck by the majesty of the invincible victory that was won by Jesus Christ. I am struck by how absolutely perfect the plan was. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn, or you can just read with me from Isaiah 9, from we're going to do two, th- three of the verses. We're going to do two, six, and seven. But it starts off like this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Ah, my heart just sings when I hear that. It starts off with just a picture of the world in in a dark place. And I don't know how you feel, but when I look around me, I see people um, deceived. People just running after things that are not going to give them satisfaction. I see people confused in darkness, wondering how they're going to make it through life. And this uh, scripture starting off in that place gives this beautiful solution. For unto us... A son is born, for unto us, a child is given. A child is born, a son is, a son is given. And I, um, as we start, I want to just tell you a story about the, some, some very famous missionaries. They were perhaps the first modern missionaries. And they belonged to a group of people called the Moravians. They lived in the east of Europe, and they had this kind of communal place where they all lived. And they... uh, they actually had this phenomenal prayer meeting that lasted 100 years with praise and worship and pray to God nonstop for 100 years from this place. And out of that revival, really, they began to catch the heart of God for the nations and wonder how these people in different nations would hear the gospel. And suddenly they realized, well, we have it, let us go. And they they began to go to different nations. And the story goes of two particular Moravians who had heard about the the African slaves in the West Indies, and they passionately wanted to reach these slaves. And so the story goes that these two men decided that they would sell themselves as slaves on the slave ships and head out to the West Indies in order to preach the gospel there. I know, it's just every time I hear that, my heart is just struck. I did some research and discovered that it's, that it's only partially true in that they, they ended up not having to sell themselves, but that, that someone gave them passage, etc., but they were willing to do that. The story goes as how they, when they sailed out of the port in Europe, they called out that the lamb would receive the reward of his suffering. In their hearts, they had no intention of ever coming back. They were just heading out to do what God had called them. The thought of being willing to sell yourself into slavery in order to reach people just deeply struck my heart. It's like, what kind of person would do that? What kind of person would be so overcome with a mission that they would be prepared to sacrifice their freedom? so that others would know the truth, and so that others could be reconciled to God. And it came to me like a thunderbolt. That's what Jesus did. Having all the freedom, the glory, and the majesty of being God, looking down at mankind who had strayed away and who had in fact sold themselves into a kind of slavery in, in the form of obeying the enemy's plans, living in selfishness, Uh, destruction, just all kinds of things that were bringing increasing difficulty onto the earth. Looking at this, it's like, how do I rescue them? How do I bring them into the liberty that they were designed for? How do, how do I let them know that they're not just scrabbling around in the dust for crumbs, but they are king's children? How do I let them know who they are? What My plan for them is how do I let them know who I am, that they would reach out to me? And so Jesus gave it all up and submitted to the bondage that we had brought on ourselves and said, I will go and rescue. I will go and rescue them. So literally began the greatest rescue operation ever undertaken. What I am so amazed about is that when God wants to rescue the entire earth from its own problems, its self-made problems, he sent a baby. I mean, have you watched superhero movies lately? None of them are babies. You understand me? (laughs) They're all large men and women with big muscles. And yet, when God wanted to begin the greatest rescue operation of all time, he sent a baby. Why did he do that? He did it because at his weakest, God is stronger than our strongest. And that he came to inaugurate a kingdom a kingdom that was going to be kind of an upside-down kingdom, that was going to demonstrate something so different from what the world was demonstrating, that was going to show us something so contrary to the way we were living, the way we were trying to to climb the, the ladder of success, the way we were trying to step on people in order to be more important ourselves. He was going to show us a new way of living. And in the kingdom, weakness is power. He was going to show us that he could come in absolute weakness and the power of God inhabiting that weakness would destroy the power of the enemy. He wanted to show us that vulnerability is strength. You know that when he hung on the cross, he said this, father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing in other words even at that moment when he had been abused persecuted the worst of the worst done to him by the very people he came to rescue he refused point blank to allow bitterness unforgiveness self-preservation to guard his heart he said I am a representative of this kingdom and I will live it to the end the way it is meant to be lived I will not put barriers around my heart. I will love even when I am not loved. And in the kingdom, vulnerability is strength. In the the kingdom, service is greatness. You know, you don't serve your way to greatness. In the kingdom, every person you help, every person you bless is a badge of greatness on your shoulder. You know, I, I perceive to some degree that certain people seem to have greater influence with God than others. Have you noticed that? You know, I, I feel like we're all equally loved. I feel like we all, you know, God's seeking to bless all of us equally. But there are some people that seem to just move the heart of God so much easier. Have you ever noticed that? And when I look at those people, when I look at those people, I watch their lives and I see those are the people that are not looking out to, to just gain a reputation and are not trying to be better than the people around them. That their sincere motivation is that everyone would know the love of God and that their lives are orientated towards serving and blessing others. Yeah. Right. And I notice when those people pray, heaven moves. And the last thing is that obedience is success. I love this. I love this. Because I've spent a significant portion of my life trying to be successful in the world, and I didn't really do it very well. I mean, I I, I got the jobs. I got the, you know, I, I was kind of doing okay, but but it, it, it didn't... You know, I wasn't the richest person in my neighborhood. I wasn't the most beautiful person. I hadn't made a movie. I hadn't written a book. You know, I just, you know, like all those, the markers of worldly success, you know, just weren't necessarily there. And I don't know about you, but what, what you going after, what marks your life as successful. But it was a great relief to me to understand that success in the kingdom is not those things. Success in the kingdom is obedience to what he has called me to do. You know, when you come to the end of your life, God is not going to ask you how many Mercedes did you own. He's not going to ask you how many companies did you raise and sell. He's not going to ask you how many wives you had. Or maybe he will for a different reason, I'm not sure. (laughs) But you know, he's going to ask you, did you do what I said? Did you do what I said? Did you follow me? And a mark of a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ is one who follows him. You can look up those scriptures for yourselves. They all kind of let you know that what I said is really true. But the scripture goes on after it talks about a child being born and a son being given. It talks about Jesus in these words. It gives him four kind of titles or descriptors. And it says, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For me, this is—I don't know. This is one of the, the, like the the core of the majesty of this portion of scripture. Is that here is this baby born, and this this prophecy was given like over four hundred years before Jesus came, and 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 talking about this baby being born, and then saying these are the titles that will be given to this child, yeah. and it talks first of all about. Wonderful counselor. That word wonderful literally means miraculous awesome. And if, if the Bible used terms like this, it would be like jaw-dropping incredible. It was like, wow. And as Andrew says, say it backwards, wow. <laughs> but you know, throughout Jesus' life, People just marveled at him. They marveled at his wisdom. When they came with their crooked questions, trying to trick him, who should we, who should we give our money to, to? Should we pay tax or should we pay our tithes? Basically, that's what they were asking. I know you've never thought that. Jesus, in an instance, just cut through their motivation and he said, pay to Caesar what is Caesar's and pay to man, to pay, pay to God what is God's. And it says, they marveled. In other words, they're like, wow. I mean, this man on a boat with a storm raging just speaks to the storm and it stops. They marveled. it talks about how they found him speaking to a woman to pe- people outcast to tax collectors and they marveled because in every way jesus christ blew their minds and this concept of being a wonderful counselor it's like his words his deeds his actions left people astounded In every way, he was demonstrating a new way of living, a new way of understanding, a new way of being. And people were struck to the heart by that. Transformed. In fact, they were so transformed. It talks about how his disciples after Jesus had been crucified, risen, and gone to be with his father. It talks about how his his disciples, Peter and John, had healed someone and they were being persecuted for that, and they were giving a defense of what they have had done. And it says the Jewish authorities, you can go and read it in the books of Acts, book of Acts seeing that they were unschooled men. In other words, these are fishermen. How do they speak like this? How do they do these things? And it says, they marveled. But they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So here's the beauty of this, is that these incredible things that Jesus was, you be with Jesus and they rub off on you. You know, the next time your, your work colleagues are squabbling around what to do with their money, let me tell you, you stick with Jesus and words will come out of your mouth that will astound even you. The next time you face with difficult situations, you stick with Jesus. Stuff will happen that will leave the world wondering, where did this come from? Who are these people? And they will take note that we have been with Jesus. How about mighty God? I was... (sighs) You know the only reason us women pastors have our hair done and our nails done, you know the only reason, is because you have one or two hours with people, captive audience, where they have to listen to you. (laughs) I cannot understand why there are any non-Christian hairdressers or nail technicians in the world. Because all of us Christians, ladies, that's the only reason we go there, having our nails done so that we can share the gospel with someone and they can't go anywhere. <laughs> so I'm with my hairdresser a little while back. And we having uh, someone else came in. And she says, she's a Buddhist, a Jewish Buddhist. I don't know how that works, but she is. She, she, tu- she turns to me and she says, you're a Christian, Tell me what Christianity means. (laughs) You know, I'm like, God, questions like this only happen once in a lifetime. I am going to make the most of it. So there with my hairdresser doing stuff with my hair, this woman listening to me, I preach the gospel from start to finish. I started in Genesis, ended in Revelation. They got it backwards, forwards, every way, personal, corporate, changed the world, everything. Finished it all. And my hairdresser's going, oh my word, that's so interesting tell me, I, I just think Jesus was a good man. I just, I just think he was a good man, you know. Um, I think he's one of those people that just was super intelligent and he just, you know, he just was one of those exceptional human beings. So in my heart, I'm like, God, did she not hear a thing I said from start <laughs> to finish? Do I need to go all through again? But luckily, I just stuck with Jesus and I felt, I felt like him say this to me tell her that that's not what I claimed. So I said to her, you know, what? that would be be fine if Jesus hadn't claimed something more, and that Jesus actually claimed he was God. And this means something. This means that he was either a big liar, uh, and then just discard everything he says, or he was a crazy man, then discard everything he says, or... He was the Lord of all. He was the King Supreme. He was God himself in flesh. And I want to propose to you that his life, his actions, his miracles, his death, his um, undisputed resurrection prove that the last is true. That he in fact was God, manifest in person here for us. He was the father made manifest which is so amazing is that he came to show us the father heart of god he came to show us who god was for the first time ever in the bible did anyone address god as father and as jesus addressed god as father he invited us into that relationship he said if you've seen me you've seen the father He said, I and the the Father are one. In other words, come and know the Father through me. And the cry of every human heart to have a, a Father figure give us identity, teach us how to live, be that support, protection, and life for us, is met in Jesus Christ. And last of all, it talks about him being the Prince of Peace. That word prince there literally means commander. And I love that. I love that. In what kingdom do you, bring, do you have a military term that brings peace? You know, it's, it's, like, it's like God is so determined to have peace between mankind, between him and man, that he will militantly go after it. And what I love about this is that, that Jesus, you know, the, the Christmas pictures you see of this little baby in a manger who's sweet and cuddly and with those little pudgy arms and you just think how sweet and nice that is. You know, he's, he's more than that. He's the prince of peace. And what does that mean? He's the commander of the host of heaven. That means when you pray and he says yes, that angels by their millions are sent forth to do the work. Amen. That there is power, authority, effectiveness behind him. That it's not just a sweet, airy, fairy, tinkly harp music. It's the power of the living God at work on earth to bring about his kingdom. Amen. So this is the greatest rescue operation ever undertaken by the greatest being in the universe. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. Have you ever had a moment in time that you wished would never end? Really, have you ever had that? Think about that for a moment. You know, maybe it was like a, a family function and you're you sitting on a, in a beautiful... Um, area watching a sunset you can hear the children playing in the background and it's just peace and harmony and ah, satisfaction nice relationships you've just finished a big meal it's just you know maybe that sounds like christmas to you i'm not sure but you know maybe it's you sitting in front of a colleague and wisdom is coming out of your mouth that you didn't know you even had and you're like oh i hope someone's recording this somewhere you know, maybe it's just uh, you know a successful business pitch. Maybe it's something where you just you're just clicking with another person. Maybe it's just a beautiful vista, and it's like a moment you feel like I wish they could never end. And I want to propose to you what you are tasting in that moment is the kingdom of God. And I want to propose this to you, that that is God's dream for earth, this earth. That he sent Jesus not just to um, make us all feel bad for overeating on Christmas Day, you know. Or, you know not, he sent Jesus to change things. He sent Jesus to change you, to change the world, so that those feelings of, of satisfaction, of life, of blessing, of peace, of, of glory would be a continuous experience here on earth that he literally meant all that was good and life-giving and true to be manifest through Jesus to us and through us to the world. We're not running after, I don't know, some legalistic nonsense. We're running after a real kingdom that changes lives. We're running after pushing for, um, speaking about, reaching other people for a kingdom that makes a difference. A man by the name of Frederick Buchner said this, If we only had eyes to see and ears to hear and wits to understand, we would know that the kingdom of God in the sense of holiness, goodness, beauty is as close as breathing. And he's crying out to be born both within ourselves and within the world. We would know that the kingdom of God is what we all of us hunger for above all other things. Even when we don't know its name or realize that it's what we're starving to death for. The kingdom of God is where our best dreams come from and our truest prayers. We glimpse it at those moments when we find ourselves being better than we are and wiser than we know. We catch sight of it when at some moment of crisis, a strength seems to come to us that is greater than our own strength. The kingdom of God is where we belong. It is home and whether we realize it or not, I think we are all of us homesick for it. Jesus came to reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. That from the beginning of creation, God announced his plan. That he would find a man in the form of Abraham and he would raise him up to form a nation. And that nation would have a throne that would be called David's throne. And that throne would be inhabited by a savior who was Jesus Christ. And that throne would then be over the entire world, and would bring all of nations, all of the nations, under the rule and reign and privilege of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father. And that all creation would settle into its created order, and there would be peace in our hearts and peace between one, one another. And this is the dream of God through Jesus Christ. This is why a child was born and a son was given the greatest rescue operation ever undertaken by the greatest being in the universe for a future greater than you can possibly imagine. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. In other words, the scripture finishes with that. In other words, God is going to do it. This is his plan. He has stated it from beginning to end. He sent Jesus to inaugurate a kingdom that will never end. It says in Isaiah 9 that of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. In other words, this is going to happen. And here's the only question that is left is will you be a part or will you not? And I don't know how you feel. I'm pretty sure I know the answer you here because you want to be a part. And in this beautiful and incredible upside-down kingdom, the way we're a part is that we recognize that success comes from obedience. We, we recognize that greatness is service. We recognize that vulnerability and loving no matter what is what God is asking of us. And we recognize that our weakness makes us powerful, that we do not have to be ashamed, nor do we need to hide. But wherever we go, no matter who we are, no matter how good or bad we are at the thing we are attempting, that the power and glory of God goes with us, and we can manifest his strength and his truth in every circumstance. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Lord, let's pray. Lord, I pray for every person here, Lord. We, <laughs> Father God, you said your zeal would accomplish this. Your passion would do this. And Lord God, this is not about just a baby being born 2,000 or so years ago. This is about you beginning a kingdom that will never end. This is about you taking over the world. This is about you having your rightful place as Lord and King of all. This is about you bringing all of creation into peace with you. This is the most glorious rescue operation ever seen, Lord God, and we want to be a part. Lord God, we want to be a part of it. We want our lives to speak of what you have done through Jesus Christ, Lord God. We want to to love like you love, give like you give. Be truly successful, Lord God, in obeying you and following you and bringing your kingdom in everything we do, Lord God. Father God, we lay down our ambitions for your ambitions, Lord God. We lay down our passions for your passions, Lord God. And we know in that place we will be most satisfied. For indeed, it is completely true that it is your kingdom that we are homesick for. Lord God, whatever, you, whatever happens, would you make us kingdom bringers? Would you enable us to experience, taste, understand what we have in you. Let us not leave anything undone, and let us not live any less than what you created us for, Lord. Help us to let go of the fears, the insecurities, the selfishness, Lord God, and just be completely yours. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. And right now, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you'd come and fill everyone with a greater understanding of you, but also a greater sense of your presence. Would you, would you bring the kingdom in greater measure in our hearts? Peace, life, blessing, truth. Thank you, Father. In every heart, now and forever, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And while we're here in this place, I want to ask if there's anyone, two things. You want, you, want to, you want to commit your life to Jesus and seeing his will and way done on earth. Or you realize that although you've done that in the past, you haven't really been living it and you would like to make a recommitment to him. And you'd like to say, God, I I want to do that. And if that's you, any of those two things, if right now you feel convicted about your lifestyle, the way you've been living, and you want to change, I'm going to invite you, if that's you, to just raise your hand. Or if you just feel convicted about where your passion lies, and you would like to do that, I'm going to ask you if you would just raise your hand. Is there anyone who would like to do that? Thank you, Father. Is anyone else? Thank you, my friend. Is anyone else who would like to do that? Please don't be afraid. This is a great time. Just raise your hand if that's you. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Can we all pray this prayer together? Can we just say, Lord Jesus, I come to you and I give you my life. Lord, I ask that you would change me. Lord God, you would fill me. And you would use me to bring your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen.